Police in Boston had an unusual call-out on the 17th of June. They were asked to intervene in the name of public safety at the International Society of Stem Cell Research Conference. It wasn't about the safety of stem cell research that they were intervening, though, though we'll get to that. The problem was that there were so many scientists clamouring to get into a conference session that overcrowding made the venue a safety risk. The overpopulation of scientists was due to star speaker, Spanish scientist Juan Carlos Belmonte, who's a world-renowned trailblazer in the field of regenerative medicine. And indeed, Time magazine put him on the list of the world's 50 most influential people in healthcare. Antonio Regalado is senior editor for biomedicine for the MIT Technology Review, and he covered the stem cell conference capers. Antonio, welcome to Sunday Extra. Hey, Julian. You know, I was, I was actually outside the session. I was trying to get in to see Belmonte, just like a lot of other people. And uh, I was blocked by the police because uh, when I was trying to get in, there was suddenly an uproar and everybody was being thrown out of the room. Wow, what a scene. Is that a first for you at a scientific conference? Access blocked by police? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of scientific, you know, popular sessions at a scientific conference, uh, you know, it can be standing room only, people in the aisles, you know, lots of students. But this was the first time I've ever seen uh, three or four policemen come uh, shout and clear out the extra people. Actually, people with their seats got to stay, but everybody else had to leave. So the organiser of the International Society of Stem Cell Researchers conference told you that regenerative medicine is a hot topic, hotter than we expected, they said. Could you describe just how hot things got at the conference and I suppose more importantly why this is such a hot issue? Right. Actually, this whole conference is about, it's about stem cell research. And this society was founded about 20 years ago when people uh, discovered or, or derived these powerful make anything embryonic stem cells from embryos, right? They come from human embryos. These are the cells that each of us begins with. Uh, when the embryo is four or five days old, there's a bunch of identical cells, and these are the stem cells. Of course, they're capable of making any kind of tissue, hair, nerves, heart, and all the rest of the human apparatus. So that's what the conference is about. But a new twist on that is the idea of rejuvenating cells. So instead of thinking about running that developmental program forward from a few cells to a human body, what if you could sort of run it backwards, right? From mm. me or you or someone who's 50, 60, what if you could start to run the program in reverse? And that's what this session was about. It's about how stem cell research might provide a clue to rejuvenation. And stem cell research is an area where there have been both profound advances that have produced major changes in current medicine and also quite a few people really pushing the boundaries of what's possible, viable and responsible. This session was featuring Juan Carlos Belmonte. Could you tell us a little bit about him and his background and why he is such a sort of superstar in this field? Well, he was working at the Scripps Institute, which is a scientific research institute in California, but he was recruited a couple of years ago by a company called Altos. So Altos was a stealthy uh, company that suddenly burst out into the open with a huge amount of funding, $3 billion in startup funding. As far as I know, this is the best financed biomedical startup ever with this mission of delving into the science of rejuvenation to see if adult bodies of us, of animals, can be rejuvenated. Well, that's an intriguing prospect. What's the scientific basis for that venture? You mentioned the controversies around 
this embryonic stem cell research. And I, that's in the United States, and I know it's the case in Australia too. You know, the embryo, the human embryo growing in the laboratory is something that people feel has a moral status. So, you know, can you take the cells out of it? Actually, in 2006, a scientist in Japan came up with a really cool idea, which was that you could take any cell, a skin cell, and just by applying these four proteins called Yamanaka factors, after the scientist, whose name was Yamanaka, if you just apply these four proteins, you can actually rewind this cell into a stem cell. So imagine, any cell becomes a stem cell. So that resolved these ethical issues around the stem cell research. But it also had this provocative idea. They said, hey, if we can take one cell and turn it into an embryo cell, what happens if we give like small doses of these proteins to a mouse? You know, what if we give just a little bit of this protein, could we make it a little bit younger? And that's the whole concept of reprogramming technology. And that's what this company, Altos, uh, is mainly investigating. That's interesting as well, because you say Altos is interested in that. Its mission, as described on what is, I must say, a quite minimal website, is to focus on cellular rejuvenation programming to reverse disease, injury, and the disabilities that can occur throughout life. There's no express mention of aging there. What is your assessment of what Alto's mission actually is? Right. Well, actually, if you call them an anti-aging company, uh, they will say that they aren't. Uh, of course, you said yourself, they have rejuvenation in their phrase, their coinage, cellular rejuvenation. So, you know, the scientific thing to say, and they consider themselves an important scientific organization is not to talk about age reversal or anti-aging, but talk instead about cellular health. Could you make cells healthier? Could you make them more resilient to um, stress, to damage, to the insults of everyday life? So, you know, they kind of take a scientific approach to the cell, but the scientists who are there, including Belmonte, if you listen to them and in their free time, they're definitely talking about life extension. Belmonte himself has said that he's sure that the first person who's going to live to 140 years old has already been born. Mm. So in terms of the science that Belmonte has done, what's his focus been and what's his theory for how the biotech advances might actually happen? Well, he works on an area called epigenetics. So if you think of your genome, it's all the letters of your DNA. It's, you know, six billion letters. But, you know, those genes are controlled by something that is outside the genome called the epigenome. It's just sort of chemical controls that decide which genes are on and off. And so the theory that Belmonte and others are working with, it's the degradation with time of those controls that is really the crucial thing. So it's, it's not that your DNA is accumulating mut mutations, although that might happen too. It is really this epigenetic code, which is deteriorating with time and which, amazingly enough, these proteins that I mentioned, the Yamanaka factors, these will reset the epigenetic code. So the idea is there is a secret to aging, and maybe it has to do with this epigenome. And is that a widely accepted theory at the moment, or is it something which is contested or at least under ongoing consideration, I suppose? You know, I think that there's a lot of different causes for aging that have been postulated and that continue to be postulated. I think a lot of people would agree that the epigenome has something to do with it. Uh, I think the thing that is most in question 
are the rejuvenation results of Belmonte, the spectacular results. For instance, he described in this meeting mice that were prone to obesity and they were given these high-fat diets, but if they were given this rejuvenation treatment, suddenly they were thin. Or some other mice that they poisoned with painkillers, they would all die, but if they were given this treatment, they would survive. So he himself said, you know, isn't it strange that all these wonderful beneficial effects could be generated by the same treatment? So what he was implying is that this treatment that sort of rewrites this epigenetic code, that this treatment is a form of rejuvenation. It sort of resets the cell to a younger, more resilient state. But the reason those claims are controversial is he's done the experiment. Someone else is going to have to reproduce it before we're going to believe it. Well, the room was certainly packed when Juan Carlos Belmonte was describing this research. What sort of response did what he said garner from the scientists in the room? Well, uh, I couldn't get in, but I did listen to it on the computer. And then, uh, like a journalist, I went around afterwards and I pigeonholed different people. (laughs) You know, I talked to people who thought that he has interesting ideas, that he may well have the tiger by the tail. You know, he's a good scientist with like a lot of creative ideas and a good nose for where things are going next. And I suppose it's worth making clear that Altos Labs is not a one-man band. It's got a huge amount of capital, as you've described, and operations in several places around the globe. Are you able to sort of sketch out the sort of personnel and operations that are publicly known about Altos at the moment? Uh, Yeah, actually, a couple of years ago, we we were the first to find out about Altos, and 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 we wrote the story that brought them into the light. They have three institutes. One is in San Diego. Another one is in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then a third in Cambridge, uh, UK, which is also an area that's, you know, just a powerhouse in embryology and stem cells. And they recruited leading scientists and they're paying them a lot of money. I mean, these are sports star salaries. It's a million dollars and up. Belmonte, I can only guess, but multi-million dollar package. And that actually accounts for why so many students wanted to be in this room, because even at the lowest levels of science, like, or the, the initial levels of people's scientific careers, postdocs, graduate students, you know, they're doubling the usual salary. And so that gets people excited. There's always a question with these kinds of organizations, whether they're going to survive and be able to carry out sort of their founding principles. There was another company that was started up by Google. It was called Calico Life Sciences, California Life Company. I don't know if you remember this one, but this was, you know, 10 years ago, and it was 1.5 billion, and they were going to solve death, right? But then we never really heard from this company again. You know, people went there, and it became, you know, like a velvet coffin. People went there, and they didn't really get anything done. It wasn't an exciting place to work. These corporate-sponsored research organizations, they're neither fish nor fowl, you know, are they pursuing a commercial aim or are they blue sky research? You know, it's very hard to make them work. Everybody likes to talk about Bell Labs, the famous institute of the Bell Telephone Company that, you know, invented the transistor and so on. But it's, it's really hard to replicate. So one unknown is, is it going to be a successful scientific organization? And that's an open question. So a lot of open questions and speculation in terms of the science and what it might be able to achieve. And also, I think, Antonio, some speculation about where the funding for Altos Labs might come from as well. What are you able to tell us about that? The funding. Yep. I found out about it at first. There, there's a, a billionaire uh, in the U.S. His name is Yuri Milner. He, he was 
originally from Russia. Now he lives in San Francisco. He's well known as one of the initial investors in Facebook, one of the early investors. So he was one of the initiators. He put in money. There's some venture capital groups in the U.S. that also put in a great deal of money, in particular one called Arch Ventures. And then we did report that people have said, including people at the company, that Jeff Bezos, the head of and founder of Amazon, is also an investor, although the company has never confirmed that. They've never confirmed it, and they've never denied it. So uh, <laughs> we think that he is, but he may not be the main participant. He's probably within the consortium of investors, but he's not the, it's not Jeff Bezos's company. Intriguing details. And Antonio, that sort of picture you're painting of a, of a highly funded private company doing this scientific research really does conjure up the tension between private research and research that's for the public good. Who are the other major players in this cellular rejuvenation space? In particular, are there public institutions that are leading the way here? You know, I haven't heard about public institutions leading the way. Of course, the initial discoveries in Japan, you know, it was funded by uh, Japanese uh, public research money. So kudos to them for funding basic research. But at this point, there's Altos and, and there's two or three other companies. One that we've written about recently is called Retro Biosciences. They raised $180 million to pursue this reprogramming idea. And, you know, their investors were totally secret. Uh, but we reported that, in fact, the entire sum was put up by Sam Altman, who you may know <laughs> as the CEO of OpenAI, the creator of this incredible chatbot that many of us have used and we ask questions to, the artificial intelligence chatbot. So it turns out that Sam Altman, uh, he's spending his time on OpenAI, but he's basically put his entire personal fortune on two other bets, one of which is this reprogramming idea, and the other is... Uh, fusion energy. Uh, so he's, you know, pretty impressive bets. And I think that's an interesting point, you know, AI, fusion, which would be sort of, you know, free, unlimited energy. And then this concept of rejuvenation, like, if you had those three things, you know, what would life be like? Would it be worth? <laughs> it might not even be worth living. I mean, who knows? As much energy as you want, uh, someone else to think for you and eternal youth. I mean, it sounds, you know, it sounds like a science fiction book, like Logan's Run or something. What's exciting about this technology of reprogramming is that it is, it is approved technology. It's been proven billions of times. Because if you think about it, cellular life, mammalian life, it is immortal. Like, we are immortal. Like, each of us is going to die. We're the leaves falling from the tree. But that root has gone on for billions of years. And it's that moment of conception, like the egg meets the sperm, that reprogramming is happening right there. So mm -hmm. it, it is demonstrated. Every time a child is born, it is demonstrated that the cells of old people, older people, make a baby and make a young person. It is the most proven and tested technology of all time. The question is, can they figure it out in the lab? Can they abstract it and turn it into a technology that we can then take as a medicine? That is the question. Well, whether the future's a, a dream or a nightmare, watch this space, I suppose. It does sound like there are plenty of very wealthy people wanting to get a, a seat at the table and that it's also pretty hard to get a seat in the lecture theatres when these things are discussed. Antonio, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. That was Antonio Regalado, and Antonio's the Senior Editor for Biomedicine at the MIT Technology Review. 
ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.